back in the day, we used to talk a lot about the St. Pauli sausage train. Yes. Is it still there? I don't know. I'd love to know. Billy Hearn well, you know, you know what? Buying as I well was... as he's going to take his sausages with him. <laughs> <laughs> this is worrying. But I don't think they were ever allowed in the media room. Yeah. No. Um, I was going to do St. Pauli versus Hamburg for at the match. Yeah. Which would have been amazing. It's on Monday. Can you believe that? What a pain. Will you still do it? I don't I, like I Mondays. I'll tell you what, we talk a lot to, about James and the Italians and the Italian experience of going to a game. When you go to Germany, it's a nice, cold winter's night. Not too cold, but cold. And you've got one of those big versed with the little buns in yeah. one hand and a beer in the other. And you think, this is what it's all about. What do you make, James, of the deal of the of the summer that's eventually gone through? Um, Falcao's move to Turkey. No. Uh, <laughs> Mara Ricardi's move eventually from under the yoke, under the uh, the dictatorial yoke of those horrible people at Inter, as you would call it, uh, through to the perfectly reasonable and nice people at PSG. I'm a bit surprised, to be honest, um, because all summer, the brief uh, from him has been he wanted to stay at Inter at all costs, uh, even if he knew that... Uh, so this is what you said last week. You the, said the, part of the reason he's never left before is because he always wanted to stay there. Yeah. Um, but the, the writing was on the wall for him for some time, really, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the club has been very uh, firm in its uh, line on Mario Cardi, which has been... You are out of our project. And it's something that uh, Marotta, the chief executive, has reiterated. Conte has reiterated. And I think after the first weekend of the season, um, Icardi's wife and agent, Wanda, she went on her TV program on a Sunday night and she said that um, while the people who matter at Inter, they want him to stay. And she meant Stephen Zhang, the president. And the next day, Stephen Zhang and Marotta went to the training ground, sat down with Icardi and said, no, Zhang feels the same way as the recruitment department, as the coach, you're out. And maybe at that stage it became apparent to Icardi that he didn't have a future uh, in term. But it was interesting seeing what he put out on social media in the aftermath of this deal going through. It was arrivederci, not addio. So see you soon. Um, so he left the door open in the sense that he can come back. Is it a loan or a permanent? It's a loan. PSG have an option to sign him for uh, 65 million euro. So ultimately, if he does well, they can say, we want to sign Mario Cardi. We're going to put the money on the table for Mario Cardi. He can have a say as well in saying, this experience has not been good for me. I want to go back to Inter. Maybe circumstances have changed. But I think it's clear that Inter, just how they've gone about their business in the transfer market, they've not just bought one centre forward, they've bought two, if you count Alexis Sanchez as a, as a partner yeah. uh, for, for Icardi. Is this a bit like when Sander Vestervelt had that really shit game at Bolton and Liverpool went out and bought two goalkeepers? <laughs> <laughs> no, but how, I, how do you think I, I got think... on? I'll let you be the judge of that. <laughs> so When these two cars turn up at the training ground in a minute. I talked about... They the... both contain goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked about the club's line as it directly relates to Icardi. But indirectly, they signed Lukaku and then they took Icardi's number nine shirt away from him and gave it to um, the Belgian striker. And then it came to announcing their squad for the season in Serie A and Icardi was listed on that squad with the number seven shirt. And then they signed Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> and they took away the seven shirt yeah. from Icardi and they gave it to Alexis. So all of these things pointed to Icardi spending a season uh, on the sidelines. Um, and then, of course, in the last week, it was it was revealed that he had um, made a legal claim against Inter, um, filing for one and a half million in damages. And they said, look, um, if he gets a move, um, then uh, they will drop um, that legal case. And that, that's what seems to have happened. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing uh, with, uh, with Icardi, uh, again, is that they have extended his contract at Inter. And um, this has caused some curiosity on social media. Just to protect the, the transfer value. Surely. Precisely, because... Um, at the he, end, he only would have had a year left, wouldn't he? Exactly. So uh, if he'd had a successful season at uh, Paris Saint-Germain, um, you know, he would perhaps be in a position where um, he could come back to Inter, run down his contract, and then maybe go to their rivals, Juventus. Mm. 
Or um, PSG. No, they're not interested in free signing. <laughs> or P- PSG could effectively say he's in the final year of his contract. Let's renegotiate this. Mm. Andy, fee. One, one thing. One thing that's um, I think lost, and I've seen a lot of coverage of Icardi in, in the capacity of, of doing this job, but also because he's a big player and that most the con- most the content of that discussion has been around whether he's going to move or not the fact that he's PNG at Inter or he was and where he's going to go to what's being forgotten is that PSG have got a pretty good player here i mean if, if the guy yeah. can get back up to speed get back into form get match fit this is a this is a player who has been attracting over recent years the very biggest clubs in the wo- in the world and for a good reason he's one of the very best finishers there is i mean mm. you, you can't get away from that and people talk about baggage, et cetera, et cetera. I think on the whole, you look at his time at Inter, and of course there was the fallout with the ultras. There, there, there are a few big twists. To be honest, he's probably on the right side of history. Yeah. There. <laughs> I mean, he, he's fallen out with pretty much everyone now, but he's fallen out with the Argentinian national team for quite a long time as well. Yeah, but there are, there are a few big twists, but I think a lot of what people think about Icardi is perception. A lot of the time at Inter, he gets his head down, he scores goals, he improves as a player the whole time. I think on the whole, despite some pretty big holes in it, I th- I think he's he's been great for Inter on the whole. You, yeah. you, you can't get away from that. He's, he's been absolutely be- terrific. And I think the, the fact that he's moving now, and you think if he has a good season, 65 million euros is going to look cheap. It is going to look cheap mm. and you know I, I can see you hovering over your computer there no doubt <laughs> publishing a little meme Luke about how uh, it's, it's probably that one where the, 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 the chef puts something in his pot and it catches fire and he puts his hands up to his face and you've written some sort of pithy thing about uh, egos and Neymar you've got Luke all wrong Andy adding a cardi to the mix and all the rest of I'm it I'm a lover not a fighter I don't know where this has come from Let's be realistic. You're talking about one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the most high-profile clubs in the world, one of the very best-paying clubs in the world. Of course, there are going to be egos. You can't like look at signing players thinking, yeah. oh, we can only sign guys who've got no ego. It, it doesn't work it's, like that. It's part of your job um, as a manager now to deal with that. It's ex- simple as exactly. that. It's part of the club's job to deal with that. Yeah. And I think they're future-proofing themselves quite nicely against the fact that the Neymar situation is not going away. He's either going in... January or July, which whichever way it happens. Um, Edinson Cavani, he's only got a year left on his contract as things stand. Well, listen, the, the news you broke to James Horncastle before we came into this studio, which almost had him off his feet, he was so upset. Tell the listeners now what you told James before we came in. The MLS is a strong possibility for, for Cavani. Cavani. I, don't, I don't think that's any secret. James, talk us through, talk us through your beef. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a player of Cavani's age... Um, Going to the final year of his contract, he is a prime target for a Serie A club. And I think he would probably go back to Italy. So what have you got against our American cousins? What have you got specifically against into Miami? Miami. Look, I would love to see him go to Miami. I think it would be a great destination for What have you got against telling the truth? But shall I tell you what? (laughs) I think a problem that MLS has is um, the pitches for old players. Mm-hmm. whose knees might not be what they once were. Because a lot of them are kind of fake pitches, right? Travel. You know, if you... Cavani's you, just going to bring his horse. You know, I think this is... <laughs> it, it polo. Many, you know, you're on, the, you're on a plane all the time, you're in a hotel all the time, much more so than you are if you're playing in one of Europe's top five leagues. Um, you know, in many respects, Japan is uh, a, a better, more comfortable destination where you can get paid the same, if not more, and you're not travelling all the time. Mm. So that's that's all I've got. I'm not saying I'm against MLS. I'm just I'm just flagging up some of the things that have um, sometimes been made as a case to you know players who've gone there, or or yeah, that, that's the experience of players who've gone have gone there as well. So how much, to go if back I, to you know, if I was him, I would I would prefer to stay in Europe. But the, fact, can, the thing the is, the thing, is, is that, the thing that cracks me up with that kind of stuff though as well is that. With, I mean, I'm going to sound like I hate MLS now, and I don't. But with the, with the greatest of respect, he, Cavani can play in MLS in five, six, seven years' time. He could play in MLS at 36, 37. I mean, and, the, and, and the so why of, why go so prematurely? The amount of goals he would score in that division is ridiculous. I, I I think he's pretty big. However, I think you have to look at 
where he wants to take his life as well as his career. I think you have to look at the fact that he's someone who has got more miles on the clock than an average player for that age because he puts so much into the game. Mm. I think you have to look at the accumulation of minor injuries that he's had over the last year, year and a half, which is not insignificant. It's easy to overlook because Mbappe and Neymar are now the headliners there and not Cavani, despite the fact, you know, he's kept his beat clean. He's been unimpeachable in terms of not just the player he is, but the professional he is yeah. for Paris Saint-Germain. You know, he deserves to have marked the history He's known of that just got club. a quiet kind of Christian guy, isn't he? Like, he's known to keep living a very healthy lifestyle and all the rest of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why can't you answer yeah. that? Uh, yeah. I always try and stump you once a week. Uh, yeah, he's... Uh... <laughs> He's, he's had an interesting ride in Europe. Let's say that. Anyway, <laughs> the, the fact is, in the short term, not in the short term, in the medium term, uh, Paris Saint-Germain uh, are going to have to look at replacing uh, Cavani and Neymar. To have this try-as-you-buy opportunity with a player of the quality of Icardi is not to be sniffed at at all. Yeah, no. and, and just to elaborate on Andy's point about this potentially being a bargain for, for Paris Saint-Germain, Icardi in his uh, current contract with Inter, um, I think they've just added a year on it, so I think the terms are more or less the same. He has got a bit of a pay rise, am- amazingly. Which is unbelievable, <laughs> right. by the way. But it's not unbelievable when you go to Paris Saint-Germain, is Written it? No. into that contract. Now, he was um, saying the pay rise and the extension to his Inter contract you're talking about, yes, right? Yes, yes. Right, okay. pay rise at Inter. Yeah. For not turning up. Yeah. But, and, but and if, it, if you're going to get in to extend and do you a favour and protect your investment, he's not going to do it for nothing, is he? But the written into that contract <laughs> um, was a buyout clause of 110 million euro uh, for clubs outside of Italy. So that was the price last summer right. for Mario Cardi. And I remember when Inter started the season and he scored, what, four goals in six Champions League games, his first ever Champions League season. The noises uh, started to be made by Wanda Riccardi that he needed an extension, that he needed a pay rise, particularly in the year that Ronaldo had come to the league and was earning 30 million a year from Juventus. And and so Paris Saint-Germain potentially get a 110 million euro player who Inter thought, damn, that buyout clause is actually cheap. For almost half price. For almost half the yeah. price. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there's that um, to, to consider in, in all of this as well. One of the best... Um stories of the week it's just because it it sort of warmed my heart and gave me a big grin is James you sent me around a YouTube link to Falcao's arrival at um, in Istanbul to go to Galatasaray where I think there were 25,000 fans at the airport <laughs> and he emerged from this private jet with a, with a scarf in the Galatasaray colours saying Falcao on it already he's had that made in advance that's <laughs> been made up good old branded yeah. merchandise he my, must my, have had my... that made in outside of the country, my my, my favourite um, example. I'm going to put it that, out there and say that he didn't have it made. No, my favourite example of that was when uh, Roma signed. Uh, do you remember the fullback from Lyon, Michel Bastos? Yeah, that that was a great introductory. <laughs> he he uh, was paraded out on the pitch before one of Roma's games at the Stadio Olimpico, and he went uh, underneath the Curva Sud where the ultras stand, and I think. A, f- a scarf was thrown down to him and he picked it up, <laughs> held it up and it said, Lazio Merda. <laughs> <laughs> he's still an idol to this day of, of Romanisti. I bet he is. I uh, think, what, what a first day in the job. Yeah. I think you guys are forgetting this beauty as well. Darius Vassell turning up ah, in Turkey. Yes. Oh, they no, loved him. Every, every, yeah. every time someone signs in Turkey, I'm thinking of also, that. Also, yeah. the, the Palace striker from Norway, he went to, was it Trabzon? Yeah, Alexander Sorloth. Sorloth, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he got a hell of a reception so, as well. So but we, he's, he's played very well so far. Yeah. Very, very well. So, and he, he could, of course, be having a... The Sorloth very, shotgun. Exactly. Yeah. He could be having a very productive um, front two partnership with uh, Daniel Sturridge when Sturridge gets himself sorted and fit, couldn't he? Yeah. So we saw, so the Falcao reception was amazing understandably because he's one of the most famous strikers I suppose of recent years and yes but are you saying does it dampen it somewhat because you're essentially saying well everyone gets this kind of reception in Turkey no I think the notable thing is not the reception and of course people are very excited about it he's someone who's continued to score goals um, in France and in European competition a, a good lick in, in, in recent years I think despite his age it's clear that uh, they're getting a player who's enjoyed a renaissance in recent years and you add that to the signings of Nzonzi uh, Seri 
Lauren Andone, of course, he's turned up there as well. He's gone loan, hasn't he? Uh, and Mario Lamina. Yeah, I, I think Andone is very, very underrated. Lame, it's, Lamina's it's a nice an interesting one because he's got a lot of ability, Lamina. He's yeah. just he's just not he's just nowhere near. When, when you start a sentence with that player's got a lot of ability, he has, there's like, always a butt coming, isn't there? Yeah, he has got a lot of but ability. Andy, I, to be I fair. think the thing with Falcao is not how excited the fans were. I think it's how excited he was. If you look at him arriving, and James pointed this out, didn't you? With his his wife was really into it, and his kids, oh, yeah. who surely when you're that she, age, you're thinking, what on earth? Mrs. is Mrs. who I think is a very successful Latin pop artist, um, she looked like she'd been a Galatasaray ultra for about <laughs> ten years. I mean, she clearly doesn't know Turkish, but she knew how to like essentially orchestrate uh, a group of ultras. And she knew what the kind of um, the, the flow of the song and when to kind of go for it and not. It was brilliant. Listen, you've They've got been rehearsing on the fly. Yeah, you've got respect. You've got respect a team like that, a couple who are such a team that when they land where they're going, the guy's got the scarf, the woman knows all the songs. Everyone's happy, yeah, aren't they? Everyone's yeah. happy. Make I mean, an effort. Make a bit of an effort. I think what you saw there... I'm talking to you, Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you saw there is the fact that this move had been lined up for a, 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 long time. a very long time. And so they'd agreed the contract like weeks or a couple of months before, actually. And he was very, very keen to come. And Monaco initially had said, you can't go because there's no fee. Um, and then they said, we need you. We've we've got to wait for a replacement. In the end, they ended up getting uh, Ben Yedda, uh, Islam Slimani, Jean-Kevin Augustin was the key. So, mm. in fact, you know, we can talk about chains of transfers and we'll probably talk about this more in a minute. But I know you wanted to talk about Patrick Schick going to Leipzig. Really, he opened the way because when Leipzig knew they were getting Schick, they could let Jean-Kevin Augustin go to Monaco and that opened the door for Falcao. And so, also, Andy, just to... Uh, interject here uh, Monaco before getting Augustin they wanted Icardi and they waited and waited and yeah. waited and he basically didn't move and that's again why I was quite confident last last week that Icardi would stay stay put in the end so yeah th- th- this was a, a big domino um, kind of effect going it, all, it all links in um, I want to quickly ask you because um, we were we planned to just ra- round up all the transfers in this section but quickly I, I was struck when I saw Falcao go to, to Galatasaray and we looked at how they eventually won the league last season under some pressure from Basak Shahir mm. they've got a, 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 I mean I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not the expert here you guys are but they've got a squad at least of recognisable names who've played at high, a high level they've been drawn in quite a difficult Champions League group but do you see them making an impression on the Champions League this season based on what you've seen? I, I think they could ruffle a few feathers. They've got Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid and club. How do you pronounce it? Brugger. Brugger, yeah. yeah. And they'll face one of their former players because they've um, loaned Mbaidian or Giagna, as they say, over there. The forward. Yeah. yeah. To club Brugger. He, so played, he played at the weekend, him again. He? Yeah, they'll face him again uh, immediately and he'll he'll want to have a, a, a little go at them, I, I should imagine. Um, I think they're, they're looking at that, certainly, and thinking, well, maybe we can inconvenience Real Madrid. Who knows? Because Real Madrid, who are one of the great unknowns of this window, really, because they've spent over 300 million euros... And who's the one player who gets into that team? Eden Hazard, who's injured at the moment. Yeah, injured, yeah. You know, it's something you've you've talked about before, Luke. So I don't think they're completely bulletproof in the Champions League, which is is, is definitely an issue for them, and is definitely an issue for Zidane. I think if you're Galatasaray, you're at least looking at the fact that you want to hold off Fenerbahce, who've been resurgent in the opening weeks of the Super League. They finished season. the season strongly, of course, as well. Caught themselves well out of trouble, didn't they? Last yeah, year? and they've done some interesting business. Um, of course, they've they've got in Max Cruiser. Uh, they've got in Adil Rami and um, Luis the boss Gustavo. for cruiser. Yeah, <laughs> Adil Rami's um, giving him a nickname. Like that. That's good. That I yeah, like that. Thanks, Adil Rami. Um, Fort Bayard Istanbul edition. Thank you very much. I wanted to say something about that and his rejection by Pan Randerson. <laughs> kind of the two things he's most known for, even though he's like a, quite a decorated international football player. We, we didn't play in the World Cup, so no, but yes, he he's, he's still got a medal. Football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he did. So he's got, he's got to be known for something. Um, so it's it's not only about. Galatasaray trying to repeat domestically and they've had a bit of a slow start to the season. They got the first win of um, the season last week at um, Kayseri Sport. So it was an incredible weekend on the Friday night. They win their first game of the season with a 99th minute winner against a team who's got eight players. They've got 10. Yeah. Which is, you know, pretty super league, isn't it? Uh, and then they've, 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 they've got to hold off Fenerbahce this season. And 
they will always be looking, I think, especially while Fatty Tarim's there, at doing something in the Europa League. If they can't get through this Champions League group, then they've got to be an interesting team in the back end of the, the Europa League. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramble. James, I want to come to you about this Inter fan statement. I know you talked quite a lot about Lukaku and um, the treatment he received at Cagliari, and and but the, the story has moved on, hasn't it, through this week with the Inter fans or ultras, I suppose we should call them, releasing a statement where they um, sided with. I mean, my interpretation of it, and you perhaps be able to correct me if you if you need to. They've sided with the ultras movement rather than side with their own player, and I think. If, if we acknowledge that most of the people listening to this will be based in the UK, they'll find this obviously horrendously offensive, as, as we all do. But but they'll also find it quite odd because you'd expect uh, ultras to defend their team's players probably to the hilt more than anything else. And we've seen that happen in the past, particularly in this country. There's been occasions where I certainly felt like fans of clubs have defended their players when they didn't need to, when it was a bad look to do so. But this is kind of gone the other way. I wonder if you could chuck a bit of context onto this and, and let us know what your reading of it is. Well, they've shown solidarity with the abusers rather than the abused, which yeah. I think makes this uh, shocking. Um, but it's sadly very familiar, I think, in Italian football in that um, these ultras have decided to defend a movement rather than defend a player. And... I think reading that statement, what it says to me, white smacks of white privilege and entitlement in how they basically say that we get to decide what's offensive and what's not. Uh, and also there's <laughs> there's a massive contradiction um, in, in their reasoning here, which is that, you know, we only say this um, to get under your skin. It's a show of respect. But if you're acknowledging that it is offensive 
to make monkey chants against black players, you are also acknowledging that it is racist. They're basically sure. admitting yes. they're doing it because it offends people. Exactly. So then therefore, they can't, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolute mealy mouth nonsense of a, of a reason anyway. It, it, the whole thing, when you read the statement, I know it's been translated, but the whole thing is utterly risible. It's mm. risible. It is. It, I would have to say, I think when you get to, I think it's the penultimate paragraph of it. and Welcome, like, Romelu. <laughs> yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. I mean, if I were Romelu Lukaku, the next time I score in front of the Kudva Nord, I would not celebrate in front of the Kudva Nord. I would turn my back on the Kudva Nord, mm. just as they turn their back on him yeah. in releasing that statement. Um, because they are not his supporters. They are not Inter's supporters. They are essentially supporters of hatred and discrimination. Of a, of a movement they see as being more important than anything else. Yes. And I, 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 I believe that that is something worth turning their, well, in Lukaku's case, something him worth turning his back on. Because there are ultimately three, three other sides of that stadium mm. that are rooting for him. Yeah. Um, and they are not worthy of his um, acknowledgement. Um, and, you know, as long as they keep keep defending this um this movement this 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 mindset um then yeah it's well, well it's deplorable do you, do I mean, it's, dreadful and also, situ- it's it's sadly predictable like i i was i was asked by um an italian magazine um before the start of the season undici to it was a q and a about uh, sort of a season preview essentially and what my expectations were and and sadly, I, 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 one of the things I, I said that I could expect was racist incidents in Stadia. Mm. And, and particularly um, with Cagliari. I mean, when I saw the, that Inter were playing Cagliari on match day two, I, I reasonably expected that um, one of Inter's black players, be, be it Quadra Samoa, be it Romelu Lukaku, would be the victim of racist abuse because that's been the pattern of behaviour that we've seen mm. over... A number of years now. Yeah, Kane, Matuidi, Eto, yeah, Muntari. Mm. The, I mean, the list goes on. Um, and do you do you expect any sanctions here? I mean, what's 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 got to happen? Well, I think so. What we've seen in in Italy is that um, clubs that own their own grounds. So we're talking Juventus, Sassuolo, Udinese. They've all invested in these um, facial recognition. Uh, cameras really okay it's just like they have in Turkey when you're on the way into the ground right. what they what they have with the ID card it's a similar thing isn't it yeah which which cost they're expensive but they cost half what um, goal line technology takes to to right. implement which you know is standard up and down the country regardless yeah. of whether you're on your own um, ground right. or not um, what, the issue is is that yes you can uh, pinpoint the people um, chanting and where they are but you, you can't necessarily um, hear what they're, they're chanting. So you also need people in, in those stands to basically um, feel safe enough to, be, to go to a steward and say, so-and-so is, is making these racist chants, and that will help a prosecution. I think what's, what's encouraging in, in some respects, because ultimately it's, it's, a, it's a deplorable situation, is that um, the the league and the Italian Football Federation um, recognise that um, they need to commit to a deeper investigation here, that this isn't something that um, three or four days of just applying the old rules, um, that's not good enough. Um, James, what has changed since Inter get their stadium ban for the Koulibaly thing. And I think a lot of people outside Italy and a lot of people listening to this would say, well, that, that felt like a step forward for Italian football, especially when San Siro is so iconic and people who know Italian football know atmosphere at home is so important to Inter. That felt like a genuine penalty. How do you get from that to them not doing anything about the stuff at Cagliari in the second half of last season? Well, ultimately, I think it, it, it comes down to... Uh, is all the technology in place for you to make prosecutions, identify and throw these people out of the ground? Right. Um, I, I think that that remains uh, an issue. Um, that isn't standard and uniform up and down the league. I think it is in, in, within certain clubs. And Cagliari have actually, in their statement, which was markedly different to their reaction to the Moise Keane um, racist incident. Um, it was still a bit underwhelming. I, I felt their statement this time around was um, they... 
they condemned what happened and they they also asked for help um in in dealing with this problem that it's something that that you know they can't on their own solve essentially but i felt it it wasn't the top line basically with something like that you need to be saying that what has happened is wrong and we're going to deal with it. And okay, maybe we need help dealing with it. But elsewhere... I think they did the, say in, that. In the sta- elsewhere in the statement, they said, what we won't stand for is people saying it's all calorie fans and stuff. Like, well, they, the, the statement, the statement, the statement really? opens by saying, calorie calcio firmly rejects what happened Sunday night at the Sardinia Arena during the game v Inter Milan. The club underlines once again its intention to identify, isolate and ban those ignorant individuals whose shameful actions and behaviours are completely against the values that Calorie Calcio strongly promotes in all their initiatives every single day. So it's quite quite a strong opening statement. I yeah, think. which I think is, is, is markedly different from what happened with Keane when, for example, you had the owner come out and do press afterwards and mm. basically make yeah. some of the same uh, arguments that Inter's Kulvanod did, which mm. I think goes to show that this is um, a cultural problem that education um, is, is, is one of the answers to. And that will take a, gen- that will take a generation. Um, and, 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 you know, ultimately that is slow progress which is not satisfactory um for 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 us um at this moment and ultimately we should underline it's it's under no circumstances satisfactory for black players in italy um to go into work and i think reasonably expect at some stage over a season to be racially abused yeah um and you saw i, I don't know if you saw denver bars i was about to ask you what do you make because of denver I, I think yeah. I, I i think denver bars tweet uh in which he basically says he was pleased not to have gone to italy um at at at, at the stage in his career where i think that opportunity presented himself uh, presented itself um because of the problems with racism um that have that come up every season so he, he wrote, he wrote, he wrote, here's the reason I decided not to play in Italy when I could. And at this point, I wish all the black players would get out of this league. Surely it won't stop their stupidity and hate, but at least they won't affect other races. So, mm. you know, it's pretty, pretty sad times really. I mean, I mean, I mean, the, 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 ultimate, the ultimate situation is, is the one you touched on there, James, I think, which is that black men are going to work and being racially abused in their place of work. Yeah. Simple as that. And I think the wider context to this, um, Luke, is, is the the atmosphere that we've seen stoked up in Italy as a whole, politically over the last few years, uh, with the, the rise of the Lega and Matteo Salvini. Um, you know, I mean, just... Whilst I was on holiday in Italy over the over the summer, you know, you, you you leaf through the papers and you see some of the incidents that take place in regular life, which don't get um, international coverage. You know, like um, you know, young black um, men, women going uh, clubbing in in the summer and being turned away at the door. Mm. What's the reason? The color of their skin. Yeah, I mean, for that to be happening in 2019, as Romelu Lukaku pointed out, is is just uh, so it's a ast- astonishing. And, and 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 the thing is, the constituents, the 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 the, the people that uh, the Lega and Salvini appeals to, are more often than not the people in the in the curve, the ultras. You know, you 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 see, for example, Salvini um, uh, going to. Uh, an event, for, I think it was the 50th uh, birthday of uh, of Milan's Coup de Vassoud and and, and socialising with uh, one ultra in particular um, whose who's rap sheet is frank, frankly frightening, mm. you know. And, 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 and whenever there is a photo opportunity between someone in power and um, this, 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 these groups of people, ultimately it endorses, it endorses them, it yeah. emboldens them. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think, again, Lillian Taram spoke very well about this in Corriere della Sport um, um, this week, that um, because there is this sense, um, which I think is, 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 is wider outside of Italy, you know, when people see these incidents happening in, in Italian football, the, the, the perception that no action is taken, that these people go unprosecuted, um, ultimately... Um, leads these people to think that they can say and sing these things 
and nothing will happen to them. Having they said, can get away with it. Having said that, mm. it's, it's not just societal context, is it? Because one of the most striking things for me in that interstatement, uh, the interfan statement, sorry, is the, the bit that said, well, you know, you've just got to accept that people behave differently in the stadium to how they behave in real life. So, you know, don't take it so personally. For me, that that is a huge problem in terms of this sort of behaviour. The idea that you can have far lower standards in the way you behave in the stadium as to how you believe in how you behave in real life, like leave your decency at the door. Now, I think we've talked about this before, but in France, for example, they um, had a big advertising campaign a, a couple of years ago where you know you had someone going into a butcher's shop and shouting at the guy behind the counter and someone shouting at someone else while they, they mm. were standing next to a bus stop. And it's like, you wouldn't behave like this in real life. So why would you behave like this in the stadium? I think to, to have that, I think that was very effective to have that, not on its own, of course, mm. but I think to get in a place where it can reinforce this idea where, you know, you can still be passionate and behind your team, but don't forget you're a reasonable person while you're in the stadium. Yeah, one one of the things um, that's I I've, I was trying. I mean, I'm not trying to draw a parallel because they're different issues. But if you go to different countries and you sometimes you'll find that their attitude, and I'll use this as an example because I think it's something that that, that 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 sort of rings true. Their attitude towards drink driving, for example, is feels like it's about 40 years behind yeah. what we have in the UK. And in the UK, I'm obviously not cheapening the stuff that does go on because that, that's dreadful. And any, any person who loses their life or is injured by a drunk driver is a tragedy, of course. But I remember as a kid, there was a huge campaign to make drink driving like taboo, to make it like a big taboo thing. And it was really effective. You go, you go over to the US, for example, yeah. their attitudes towards drink driving compared to the UK generally are so lax. It's, it's incredible. It's actually quite shocking to me when I first start to go there regularly. What needs to happen, I think, is some kind of public campaign. I can only really relate to, to, to the UK because I, I don't spend as much time in these other countries as you guys do, where you it almost becomes taboo to behave in this way. But what's happening, of course, is people, as you've touched on there in Italy, James, and, you, and, and Andy, you've talked about it before in terms of homophobia and French stadiums mm. more recently. Um, it's going the other way. People are essentially tacitly endorsing, or even not, not tacitly endorsing, but perhaps um, dog whistling with this stuff. Uh, cozying up to people, saying it's okay. Oh, these type of characters only say what we're all thinking, you know. And it, and, and and it's actually going the other way. And what mm. needs to happen is a massive increase in public awareness for this stuff to be unacceptable but, but, but for it to change. Because when I was, at, um, I said it before on the on the on um, the ramble on, on Monday uh, or, or Friday, one of the two. When I was at the Checker Trade Trophy between Portsmouth and Sunderland, I was yes. obviously sat amongst Portsmouth fans, but I was sat quite near Sunderland fans. Some of the, it's not as bad as as what we've talked about here. But some of the behaviour generally by the people in that stadium, at Wembley Stadium, it was absolutely shocking to me. And I've been going to football for like 30 years. You know, I was with my wife. There were old people around. There were people climbing over old people to, to make a point or to swear or to shout or to throw something at an opposite team's fan. Now, it may not have been overtly racist behaviour, but it's pretty bad behaviour. And... and yeah, as long as you've got the, idea this, that... the idea that you can behave in this way in the stadiums, exactly. it, it gives people a right or feel like they've got a right to do whatever they want. Well, also, I think now the spaces in which you can behave like that seem like there's, there's more of them than ever in terms of like social media, for example. Yeah. You know, I, I, th I think mm. ultimately... Some, most of the time what happens in stadium now reflects what happens on social media or and vice versa mm. you know in, in that these people feel that they can do and say what they want and they will get away with it um, and you know it's, it's clearly unacceptable Andy I, 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 for the first time and it shames me because I, I can't believe I haven't seen this before I talked quite a lot about Union Berlin and their um, and their stadium name and their, their nickname and everything first encountered their mascot this weekend really oh, do you know his name what's his name the, is he called the Iron Man maybe he, he looks like sure. he looks like a quite a camp um, gladiator with a big nose have you seen him no here I'll give you show you a picture of him um, there he is there Quite a cool little dude. Oh, wow, yeah. He's nice. like a knight. 
He's a knight, basically a knight, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know what his nickname is, but maybe people can tell us. We can email in uh, otc at footballramaldaily.com. But the reason I bring this up, of course, is because Union Berlin had their first ever top flight win. Or yes. The, yeah, their first ever top flight win against their, Borussia Dortmund. Their first home top flight goal as, as well. Um, I mean, it was something that's absolutely extraordinary. Of course, uh, a, a lot of people will look at the fact that, as I wrote in um, my uh, Guardian Bundesliga column this week a lot of people will look at uh, the story that's already there the fact that it's a countercultural club the fact that um, that Alta Försterei the, the stadium was rebuilt by a legion of their fans because they didn't have any money to to do it um, the, the story that on the first day um, the, uh, lots of fans were invited to bring along photos of dead relatives who never lived to see Union in the top flight and they were blown up by the bit, club into posters that, bit they morbid. Could, that they could show. Well, no, it was exactly the opposite, I think. It was like the idea that um, it was years in the making and those people deserve to be there as well. And it's quite touching, it was, I suppose. It was, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was deeply emotional. Uh, the idea that, as we said before, they, um, despite it being their first game, uh, their first game in, in in the top flight ever when they played Leipzig on the opening weekend. The fact that they didn't make any noise for the first 15 minutes in protest against RB Leipzig and the way they do things and the effect they had on football, very much like other other fans have have, have, have done before. Um, you know, we could talk about the fact that um, Marius Bülter, who who scored the, the the first two goals and really lovely goals they were as well. Second one was a lovely finish, one. Great lovely finishes. One. Well, the, the first one was very um, uh, Anderton Sheringham corner. It was team, actually, wasn't, yeah, wasn't it? But very, the second one nice. rebound comes way out and he got the composure to just almost like pass it, it from into, a distance in, yeah, into yeah. the corner from about twenty yards. Yeah, and Bülter was playing in the fourth tier for Rödinghausen just over a, a year ago. And those are all great stories and. People love to hear that and they deserve to be celebrated. To me, the main point about this is a team that's in contention for the title came to Kupernik where, where they play and Union didn't steal this win. Mm. They didn't get everyone behind the ball. They played 4-4-2. They played two up top and um, with Anderson and Anthony Uja uh, yeah. and Anderson scored, scored the, as well, the, yeah. the third goal. And they they showed a willingness and we, we've talked about it with other promoted teams haven't we in, in other leagues the idea that we're going to come up and we're not going to be scared of you I so love that. many teams in Europe are doing that now aren't yeah. they? our Italian team very quickly because I don't want to get away from Union but our Italian teams who have been promoted doing this as well yeah definitely I mean if you look at um, Hellas Verona for example uh, Lecce and Brescia. I mean, I was struck by... Is that why Lecce got pumped 4-0? Well, yeah, Lecce's <laughs> approach was that they went to San Siro and oh, they tried to it, take yeah. the game to them mm. um, and had chances. They got into shooting positions, definitely, just didn't take them. And Fabio Liverani, the the coach afterwards, uh, late in Orient... Um, not legend. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolute opposite of yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> said, yeah, said that, you know, if we're going to get anything, um, you know, we can't change our DNA, which is ultimately um, go against what God's promoted. Uh, yeah. with, you know, with the players we've got, we play expansive front foot football. I just love that this, this, this game, well, and I watched most of it, it's a fantastically German affair. It's being played at a stadium by the old Forester's house. It's being refereed by Dr. Felix Breich. You know, <laughs> the, the manager of, of Union is uh, Ursch Fischer, isn't it? Yes. The chairman is Dirk Zingler. You know, <laughs> and, 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 but to be serious for a moment, um, uh, Balter played on the left, didn't he? So he yeah. basically played up against um, Lucas Piszczek at right back. Yeah. He had a poor, had a poor game, really. Yeah, he did. But it was fascinating because this guy, who I'll be totally honest, I'd never heard of him. And he's up against Sancho on the same flank. Sancho, of course, put a goal on and, and did his usual thing and played well. But I love the fact that it's this guy who steals the headlines. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And like I said, it's a great story and very much deserved. But I think it's very important that here they showed that behind the counterculture, behind the backstory... There's a bit of substance as well. That there's We are a team that is serious about playing in this division and we are serious about surviving. And they showed that when they signed... Um, Anthony Ujar, when they signed Christian Gentner, when they signed Nevin Subotic, who of course was mm. playing against his his, his former team. Subo. And a, a lot of people 
There's a good um, version of Wild Horses. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that was the thing, actually. It's a very uh, British joke. <laughs> in the in the 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 um, preview to this game, of course, there were, especially in the German newspapers, published lots of yeah. uh, pictures of young Hummels and young Subotic together when they were playing for Dortmund. I had completely forgotten that Subotic had cornrows at some at one point. <sighs> Disappointing to see that. I, I know, especially from a centre back. Yeah, it's not what you want. But well, he looked like. Do you, you know that southern rapper Riff Raff? Do you look like him? I'll get a picture for you. Thanks. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with Subotic, a lot of people thought, even though he's only 30 years old, that, that he was cooked because, mm. um, you know, there was that... Did he look like that? Like riffraff, did he? Yeah, not so much. No, okay. That was that was worth it, wasn't it? <laughs> his character riffraff. Worth, <laughs> worth looking up. Very strange chap. Sorry, Andy. I'm doing nothing <laughs> over here. I just thought I'll just check it out. But I, I, th- I think it was always a, a, a symptom of how Dortmund struggled to keep the standards that they set in the in the high times of the Klopp era. The fact that after that back four played in the Champions League final of Pisek, um Hummels, uh, Subotic and Schmelzer, I think it was two and a half years until that four next played together right. after, after that, um, which is an extraordinary story. Well, should Pisek even be playing? Should he even be playing at right back still for Dortmund? Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think he was brilliant last season. Really right. brilliant last season. Right. And when you bear in mind his age, the fact that he's had to get to a point, very much like Ashley Cole did, of managing a, a, a chronic complaint. And, mm. you know, it takes a while, I think, to, to work out how to deal with that. They do have uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who's on the second year of a, a two-year loan from Real Madrid, who they, they tend to play at left back and they, they tend to play when they're, they want to really attack teams. And so maybe maybe it was um, maybe maybe that would have been a better option for him to play at right back rather rather than left back. I don't know, but I think the, the thing with Subotic well, is once, he's kind of quite he right footed, isn't he, Yakimi? Yeah, but that's, that, 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 that's that's fine. That's fine. He's he's very comfortable at left back as well. Right. Um, I, th- I think the thing about Subotic is after he got that serious knee injury, he really struggled to get to the previous level. He went out on alone to uh, Cologne for a year, but like his last year or so at Dortmund, he was seen as a last resort if there was nothing else available. So it was a, a quicker fading of the picture, say, for example, than has happened to, to Marcel Schmelzer. But he went away to St. Etienne for a, a year and a half, did okay there. Now he's come back to the Bundesliga. It's interesting. He didn't play in the opening game against Leipzig when they were absolutely belted by a very good team. And Leipzig have proved exactly how good they are by winning all three of their games so far. They won 3-1 at Borussia Mönchengladbach um, on Friday. And Timo Werner, who's signed that new contract, absolutely on fire. He's got a hat-trick, he not he? Yeah. yeah. He's, he looks absolutely incredible. You found so Timo far. Werner's, James? And yeah. they look... Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very pacey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And uh, they look a genuine title contender. And I, I flagged them as such before the start of the season. You but, did, um, yeah, Andy. That's the only reason you insisted that you made that point today. Pretty much. <laughs> you got to take the wins where you can. But um, I, I think it was always harsh to judge Union on that first game. A, because Leipzig are very good. And B, because there was so much other stuff going on with like the... The, the, the tribute to the fans that have passed on mm. with the turning their backs on what Red Bull mean for for German football with, with playing in the Bundesliga for the first time it actually stands uh, but, for Rasenball uh, Sport by the way just so you know yeah, yeah. A bit erroneous by you that calling them Red Bull Out, outrageously no, disrespectful Red, 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 Bull, Red Bull still run the club I'm not calling <laughs> know, the club Red Bull I know, I know. Any, <laughs> any, anyway it'd be good I on think... the wings yeah. <laughs> James was that worth it was that worth it uh, I mean, I think so I think it's been made before that, that gag. Yeah, surprises me that I'm normally very original. But, you know. <laughs> but I think this is noticeable as well that now they've got that out of the way. Subotic was an unused sub for that first game. Since he's come in, they have looked super solid, and he was really fantastic against Dortmund. To have that little bit of experience, to oh, add massive, to, massive to add to what they had before. Yeah. But to have Subotic even if he's playing at 70, 75% of mm. his best ever level mm. is an enormous plus for them. And of course, you know, it's a bit like they'll... having Luke on a pod. Oh, big time. For, for example, you haven't got to worry about anything. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Experienced. A thousand episodes I've done. 
<laughs> uh, but, and, I, and I used to have cornrows as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to, to have a player like that who's played at a very top level is an enormous plus. For sure. And, Do you think they can um, stand the division? Yeah, I think they can. I thought they could. That hurt again will be big, won't it? Oh, yeah. That's going to be absolutely Never enormous. played each other in the top flight before, I don't think. No, they've not, because Union have never been in the top flight yeah. before. Yeah. So uh, that will be absolutely enormous. And, you know, the Berlin and Morgan Post was saying on uh, Sunday, you know, football in Berlin is, is, is turned upside down. The world of, of, of Berlin football is upside down. Because, of course, Hertha, since getting that point at Bayern on the, on, on the first day, they've lost their subsequent games and, and they're looking a little bit a little bit shaky un, under the new coach Ante Kovic. What's the name of that um, newspaper you just mentioned there? Berlin and Morgan Post. <sighs> no, no it doesn't co- say the, sound the same when I say it as no, opposed to when he But says no it. country in the world has got better newspaper names than Germany. I'm just pleased that Andy says it's like it's supposed to be said in this country. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's... <laughs> That's, that's the main thing. You can't, I mean, don't yeah. tell me anywhere in Italy has got a better name of a paper than Frankfurter Allgemein Zeitung or Süddeutsche Zeitung <laughs> or Frankfurter Rudschau. It's just great names for newspapers all over the place. Yeah. Gazetta, Gazetta I suppose. Gazetta della Sport is quite iconic, I suppose. Gazetta is probably the most iconic uh, newspaper outside of this country that people are familiar with now, I would say. Yeah. C- certainly in Europe. I'm talking about names though. Berliner Morgan Post, come on, it's great. It's great. I mean, there are there are lots in in Italy. There is, um, yeah, Lunita Unity, which was the the, the left wing communist one for, for for a long time. Il Manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? La, very, Re, La Repubblica, the Republic. I'm very are, fond of um, Estadio Deportivo, which is in Seville. <laughs> yeah, in Seville. Because it's like you're in the stadium when you're reading this paper and it is like that because you read the first 36 pages are about Betis and Sevilla and then you'll have like half a page on Real Madrid on, on page 37. It's amazing that. to me that there is a newspaper dedicated just to Sevilla and Real Betis. I like, it's not I like, amazing um, if you go there. It's the most natural thing in the world. L'Eco di Bergamo. Go on. The Bergamo Echo. The Bergamo yeah. Echo. Yeah, there you go. That's excellent. <laughs> Have they got an evening post as well? <laughs> I mean, Corriere della Sera is the evening courier, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. It's like the evening standard, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't have the guts to uh, <laughs> to order whilst I was in Singapore. There was beef organ soup or or pig organ soup. Right. Uh, I just I just wanted them to be specific about which organs were going to be in there. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't want I didn't want to spend my time eating uh, the soup, kind of looking through the broth and trying to recognise what organ I am about to put in my mouth is it a bit like in the UK in the 80s or 90s where you know just meat pie is sold at football and you're like what's the meat and they're like yeah it's kind of brown take your chance take your chances yeah everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.